Okay. I'm not sure what I think of this. You tell me what you think of this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Seven former White House press secretaries joining six former State and Defense Department briefers join in on an open letter to Stephanie Grisham. Stephanie Grisham is the White House press secretary. It's an open letter arguing for a return to regular press briefings. Oh, you applaud, Producer Ari. What do you know? Why do you need a regular press briefing? What what don't you know now that you wouldn't know from a regular press briefing? I'm a journalism major. I appreciate journalism. Well, then you should be thankful we're not doing them because none was apparent in those briefings. All of us have experienced the challenges of a regular press briefing, whether at the White House, the State Department, or the Pentagon. We all had days where the last place we wanted to be was behind one of those podiums. But day after day, we persisted. Oh, bitch, please. Are you nuts? We persisted. We was it it was a struggle? Dude, I can't I would love to be a press secretary and I can't imagine that it's easy. But dear lord, you can't tell people we persisted. That is language of the left having to do with resistance. It's ugly nonsense. And so this argument that they're making in this open letter is about bringing back regular press briefings, which the Trump administration does not do. And uh, because people like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Acosta completely ruined it. They made it about themselves. They made it an attack vehicle. It wasn't necessary. They They said, we don't need this. An informed press corps strengthens our ability to govern. Yes, presidents are now able to communicate directly via the internet, social media, and tweets, but most Americans will learn about the work of the White House and the reports they see, read, and hear in what we collectively call the press. So the argument being made here is that they don't like where people are getting their news. They want news coming from more regulated sources. The idea that social media is not the press is nonsense. If I were to be a pamphleteer like Thomas Paine, would I be considered the press? Or am I only the press if I have some offices in New York and D.C. and pay ungodly amounts of money for real estate with ever-declining revenues in print publications, in ever-declining viewership in cable news? Would I be considered a member of the press? Is that how I get to be considered a member of the press? The process of preparing for regular briefings makes the government run better. The sharing of information, known as official guidance, among government officials and agencies helps ensure that an administration speaks with one voice, telling one story, however compelling it might be. I, that's, yeah. Wait a second, wait a second. They're making an argument that somehow the government isn't speaking in one voice. They're not! What do, you, what do you mean they're Let not? Let me give you an example. Recent, recently, we had a thing. Uh, Trump said there was imminent attacks by uh, the Iranian government on embassies. Mike Pompeo comes out and says, uh, you know, there may not have been imminent attacks. Then Trump came out today and said there were no imminent attacks. With a press briefing and everyone's on the same page, you could have gotten your story straight and we wouldn't have had this kerfluffle. 
First of all, it's kerfuffle, not kerfluffle. And secondly, it's Donald Trump. You don't think it was going to happen anyway? You think he pays attention to any of these things? The, uh, the conversation being put forth by these people is the idea of do it our way and therefore control Donald Trump. And that just doesn't work that way. This isn't an argument against press briefings. It is an argument against these people understanding what the bloody hell is happening all around them. The people get their news directly from the president via Twitter. And then they have news outlets that they can go to, and they have news outlets that they don't trust. They have news outlets they don't trust. On this list of people who signed this are Jay Carney and Robert Gibbs. You talk about an administration, the Obama administration, they were both White House press secretary uh, for Barack Obama, where you had Ben Rhodes and others actively discussing and, and, and uh, crowing about creating an echo chamber by which they faked stories, they lied, and they moved their own stories about the Iran nuclear deal to get what they wanted. Tell me I need a regular press briefing for that. Who are they to even begin to question how this administration gets information out? They have no argument. It is gross. John Kirby is on this list, former Assistant Secretary of State, former Pentagon Press Secretary under Barack Obama. He's a CNN analyst. Joe Lockhart, former White House Press Secretary under Bill Clinton, is on this list. He is a CNN commentator. Jen Psaki, former State Department spokeswoman and White House comms director for Barack Obama. She is a CNN political commentator. So three of the 13 people on this list work for CNN? So let's take this list seriously. Maybe if reporters reported, maybe, just maybe, if reporters actually talked about the stories and didn't work on fighting uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders or fighting Stephanie Grisham or fighting even Sean Spicer, and I'm not saying that he didn't invite the fight way too often, but they didn't do any of that. They're not doing that. They're still not doing that. If the argument is, well, Tony, the the problem, of course, is that the White House isn't doing press briefings. Well, when the hell did you think the press briefing room got in there? Let's, Let's look it up together. When did the press briefing begin? Let's see if we can find this out. Let's see if we can find an, a time in history when press briefings uh, began, like as as we know it now. Uh, Woodrow Wilson didn't hold the first press conference until March fifteenth, nineteen thirteen. Right in nineteen oh nine, Taft limited his interactions with the press. That was accusations of withholding uh, the news. In the 1920s, press conferences became a form of direct presidential communication with the American people. Well, this is 2020. It's been 100 years. There are other ways to communicate. So why not do that? Calvin Coolidge was the first person to use radio to speak directly. Uh, the, the radio address, fireside chats that came out under uh, FDR, things like that. In 1955, President Dwight D. Eisenhower's press secretary, James Haggerty, permitted radio, television, and newspaper equipment to record coverage of news conferences. 
They were held every two weeks, and before the film was released to the public, Haggerty edited what were considered the most newsworthy portions. Something we wouldn't allow today. It wasn't until the 60s that Lyndon Johnson changed the nature of press conferences by including impromptu sessions where reporters might ask a few questions rather than something that was formal. The White House Office of Communications was established in 1969 to reach out to the nation's reporters and specialty media beyond those with White House credentials. In 1970, it was the creation of the James S. Brady Press Briefing Room by the General Services Administration. Dear Lord, people, this is a new invention. It's the last hundred years and really the last 40 years. But you have ways to communicate with the American public that don't involve the press being in between and giving you their slant as opposed to the facts. The lack of the press briefing room is a lack of faith. Yeah. This, of course, has a lot to do with Donald Trump. It has a lot to do with the fact that Trump sometimes says things, many times says things, that then get a correction, and then get a, a kind of maneuvering. And more often than not, he ends up being right. He just is a unique in the, in the way it's presented. So even your argument about imminent threat, non-imminent threat, etc., that wouldn't have changed if somebody had asked Trump a question on the fly. And Trump answers questions that way. That's why he does the things uh, in front of the helicopters, the helicopter briefings and all that kind of stuff. But for these 13 to sign a letter, I mean, it's, it's, I'm wondering whether or not they broke a protocol in being public uh, about the, the attack on, on a press secretary. There's something very peculiar in this. Axios has the story, um, over there, Mike Allen and uh, Stephanie Grisham responded to him. This is groupthink at its finest. The press has unprecedented access to President Trump, yet they continue to complain because they can't grandstand on TV. They're not looking for information. They're looking for a moment. This president is unorthodox in everything he's done. He's rewritten the rules of politics. His press secretary and everyone else in the administration is reflective of that. I have no doubt that that is true. Uh, speaking of uh, the White House, coming up, uh, Tony Syed joins us. Uh, we're going to get uh, a word uh, from the former Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs uh, on what's going on with President Trump, with sanctions against Iran, and next steps. Tony Katz today, great to be with you.